Welcome back to Following Know It On, the Stormlight Podcast. This week is episode 77, and we're doing chapters 80 through 82 of Oathbringer by Brandon Sanderson. We have two Shallan chapters and a Kaladin chapter to talk about this week. And for those of you who have read this book before, you are have been waiting for this chapter for a little bit. The the girl who stood up is famous, uh, a famous chapter in part three. But before we get there, Paul, how are you? I'm doing great. I am really excited this week. I'm going to go and skip ahead, Trevor, and introduce our uh, who's on who's on my mug, the we- the weekly who's on my mug. Um, because I'm excited because, ladies and gentlemen, we have our first shard bearer, and yes, I know I'm right this time. It's not a question because I I was I was flabbergasted. We have our first shard bearer, and that is da, 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 Amy. Thank you so much, Amy, for watching our podcast and supporting us. Um, and congrats on being a shard bearer. That's a quite a feat. So, big shout out. Um, our mug. This one is uh, The Phantom of the Opera in London. I was not there, but I guess my roommate was at some point. <laughs> so that, And there's a little mask on the back. Very cool. Gold lettering for our uh, golden supporter here. So appreciate it. Thank you a lot. And for, for anybody that, that doesn't know, Amy is uh, my mother. So I feel Let's this go. is my... My little moment. It's also Trevor's mother. Thanks, mom. (laughs) Yeah, this is the like moment where your mom is up in the you know in the crowd, like you know, screaming and yelling with with the banner of your face. Like, yep, (laughs) yep, exactly. Thanks, thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Thank you, mom. We love you. All right. Do I have two words to summarize this episode? From uh, start with you, Elliot. My two words for these really, really fascinating chapters. I'm really excited to talk about them. Empathy and art. Ah, there's a good art quote in here. And and empathy, Paul? Uh, mine is hard lessons. Hard lessons and empathy and art. Let's use these four words and talk about it for you. All right, Paul, you can kick us off with your two words. Definitely. So I almost did the 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 cheeky little thing of of having one word and that was going to be wisdom, but I I found a way to kind of apply this in multiple ways to hard lessons. First of all, um that is with Grund who dies and definitely teaches Shalon a hard lesson which was a really difficult but interesting chapter, which I'm excited to talk to y'all. Uh, but continue with with my words. The rest of it is just for chapter 82 as a whole. 
Um, Hoyd teaches a lot of lessons, some of which are kind of hard for Shalon to hear, and she really needed to hear, and someone needed to say it, and I'm really <laughs> grateful for Chapter 82. Really grateful. So, um... Elliot? So my, my two words of empathy and art... Art, I picked art because of the, yes, one one really good quote about art and the purpose of art in this chapter, but also just the larger role that I think art plays in Shalon's story, like the, the theme that kind of goes along with that in, in Shalon's journey and the, the artistic skill that she, she has is, uh, it, it's a really cool exploration of her character, I think, to compare it to like her artistic ability, but We'll mention that maybe again when we get down to the quote. And then empathy. I had to pick empathy because I'm pretty much skipping over chapters 80 and 81 and going straight to 82, <laughs> by the way. It, I thought chapter 82 was an amazing example of empathy. And I love so much how wit comes to Shalon or, or Hoyd in, in a moment of utter darkness and the very first thing he does, he doesn't even say anything. He just sits down. He just sits with her. And he just joins her in that moment, moment of darkness. And then the, the rest of it, we'll, we'll dissect it in a second. But just such such a cool scene of, of Hoyd showing true heartfelt empathy for Shalon. Solid. All right, we will get there. But allow me to fast track 80 and 81 for you guys and interrupt me if you want to talk about anything specific. So 80 is our setup chapter for 82 of we really have to tear Shalon Vale down in this chapter before we can have our cool moments in 82. We haven't really talked about Grund on the podcast yet, but he was... Uh, was he's dead now uh he was shallan's little beggar boy who she met in the market and she would keep giving him food in exchange for little rumors or information and he he had been in the city he'd grown up in the city so he knew who was who and what the what good light-eyed keeps to to pillage who's got the food how it all works that type of thing so it, not only is she helping him but he's he's helping her to get some good information about who to steal from in the city and it's revealed in this chapter that everybody and uh shallan has a couple of these uh different types of people throughout the city and it's revealed to us in this chapter that she wasn't really helping them despite all her efforts to is that the moment she started handing out food to them, well, the, the gangs in the area just started targeting them because they're defenseless little beggars just sitting on the street with a huge bag of food. So yeah, you're going to go beat that guy up and steal the food. So, um, then they would tell Grunt don't tell anyone go back there get us more food and so that's been happening for however long shallan's been in the city here and eventually they just kill grund because shallan figured out that uh this all was happening so 
there's a couple other things to push. Like there's a couple other things in this chapter too, but uh, this is really what breaks Shalon set up for 82 of, I was trying so hard to help and Vale was having that inner dialogue um, with Shalon was Shalon's trying to get the oath gate open, but Vale is just trying to help people. And so when Vale discovers that I'm actually hurting a lot of people by doing what I'm doing, that completely destroys her. And it, it lets us talk to Shalon in 82 because Vale's so hurt that she doesn't want to put Vale's face on that we're actually talking to Shalon in 82. Yeah, that storyline took a very dark turn that I wasn't ready for. I was all excited that Vale was was doing all these good, you know, Robin Hood deeds of of helping all these these poor people. It felt like a really positive moment for Vale Shalon. And then all of a sudden you find out that not only has it not been going well, she's actually gotten all these people beat up and killed because of what she was doing and should she have done it differently i probably not she had no way of knowing but this this was just like a gut punch this was and and there's something i really wanted to bring up and i almost brought it up last episode but didn't quite and here it really came into fruition more um we had talked about brandon sanderson almost seeming like like he wants to write a horror book at times, a horror mm-hmm. novel. Um, and just how dark or like how vivid image, how much vivid, like gross imagery there has been in this book that we've seen. And I feel like this kind of was almost the pinnacle. And I, in retrospect, think that this writing is really great and really genius because it shows how much of a grip these unmade have on this town and how, like, corrupted it is. Um, And I, I agree with Elliot in that Schwann really had no way of n- knowing about this. Um, I don't know how she would. Um, And this was a really difficult scene or chapter i especially imagine if this was ever adapted to a film thing that this would be a very difficult scene to watch um just because it's sad because even just the way it all like goes down so so shalon finds grund right and he is basically bleeding out right and she goes up and he's just like over and over saying I hate you I hate you I hate you and he's so like angry and she's like no 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 it's okay I'm here like I can the 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 robbers aren't here right and then she realizes he's saying that about her and that he hates her um for basically putting a target on his head with the food that she was bringing, and that was, like, definitely a big moment of realization for me, and I was like, whoa, that's really, like, it was just really difficult. Um, And honestly, like, as difficult as it is, and same with almost the Revel scene, I think it does a great job of portraying, like, how difficult and corrupted things are here. 
Um, and I'm hoping this will kind of fuel the motivation of what I assume or hope will be like a victory down the line. Um, right. It just kind of like the fuel of everything that is so wrong in this town and wanting to purge that, um, will like really fuel our, our heroes. I'm with you, Paul. At this point, I have no positive feelings about the city of Kolinar. Like everything we've, we've seen here is just dark or twisted or, not going well. So to have that all turn around for positive would be pretty huge at this point. It needs a total re restart refresh for sure. Yeah. I don't know if you guys picked this up while you were reading or as you were reading it, but this shack that uh, Grund lives in or sleeps in, um, he shares it with like six other kids and some other, like some ladies and stuff like that. And as each time that Shalon goes to visit Grund, there's a couple people missing. And Grund says, oh, no, they've just moved on. They've gone, they've moved somewhere else. But it's actually the gang holding them, holding them hostage so that Grund has to return. And he can't just, you know, go to another part of the city and hide. He has to be there because he's got his, they've got his loved ones um, captured um, from their, from their little shack here, so. I don't know if you guys picked that up or not. I I did not when I was reading. It just makes it even darker. (laughs) Yeah. That's so tough. All right. So before we get to 82, we still have 81 to talk about. And we get a little bit lighter of a chapter, even though it's a dark tunnel. Um, We're going through a... A secret tunnel that Azure is showing Kaladin and it's basically running along the whole inner um, inside of the wall of Kolinar. It It's basically at the base of the wall and it's a tunnel that kind of circulates the whole city and there's a couple of rooms like in this uh, in the wall basically and you can go from outpost to outpost on the like from tower to tower without being on the on the surface of the wall and they've hidden a soul caster in here and there's a couple key details in this chapter that are kind of important or depending on who you ask are important and we'll we'll get to them here in a second but what did you guys think of we finally found our soul caster i was surprised similar to the way kaladin was i think and that it was not azure who is doing a soul casting. I thought that was going to be one of her surges, one of her powers, and that would help us kind of discern what order she might be aligned with. But it seems pretty clear here that she does not have that power. And yet and they have a, a more traditional, you know, gemstone bracelet soul caster thing that they have going on down in here. So that was a little bit of information, I think. So it gives a description, right, of the person who's soul casting. Oh yeah, Ithi Doesn't and her it? sister. Yes. Yes, and I wanted to bring that up because doesn't it talk about they're like protruding vines. Like yep. maybe I does I could be wrong, but it says like there's vines like coming out of her eyes and like all this craziness and mm-hmm. that 
was concerning a little bit, right? <laughs> like, I didn't know what to make of that. My my thought was, and I'm curious to know what uh, to hear what Elliot thinks. But is this a child of cultivation? That's where my mind went. That is an interesting thought that I hadn't thought about. Actually, what what I all that I thought this is is something we've seen a couple of times now. Most recently with the interlude where we went to the island of Aemia, and there was that soulcaster lady who was like turning into smoke. You know, she she uses smoke as her soul casting ability and she's done it so much that she's like, it's turning her into smoke slowly across the course of her mm-hmm. life. So I thought this was another example of that. So they're using the emerald powered soul casting, which where they make food. And so I tied like the vines into that where like just life is sort of kind of overtaking them. Okay. Does that, that does that, does that mean it sense. doesn't have to do with cultivation? Not necessarily. Maybe it still does, but that was kind of my my thought process. Okay, I didn't. I did not remember that about our other soul casters, kind of converting themselves physically yeah. as well. I, I didn't. I didn't actually remember that. So that makes sense. Um, you can kind of do that. But whenever I first saw that, I was like, "This is really, really bizarre." Yeah, and I didn't fully know what to make of that. So. Yeah, it's the, as a soul caster, you slowly morph your body with your soul casting, and they're doing it at such an alarming rate that she's already there. Like, she's got vines growing out of her face, and they're on 24-hour shift with her sister and her, like, 12-hour shift. That's assuming a 24-hour day, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> um you get you get what I'm saying is that they've been doing so much soul casting for the soldiers that there's they've basically sacrificed themselves um and they've transformed themselves beyond what would be a normal like decay rate for soul casters and also to do this soul casting isn't azure like cutting blocks of stone out of the underneath this passage in order to use as the source material yep She's carving basically another tunnel <laughs> under the city. Yeah, which she even comments on like, I'm not sure this is a great idea because I, I might cause the whole city to collapse with this tunnel I'm digging underneath like that. Y- yes, there's a lot of stone, potentially an, an endless supply, but if they're not very careful how they do that, that could have some unintended consequences. That's true. Now, one thing I wanted to point out uh, which this is one of those things that could be something big, could be something to totally look past. Doesn't really like we don't really know, but I think this has a bit more weight now, given what we talked about in the last episode, where Elliot's brought up that Azure may be from our Warbreaker world, oh, just yeah. with kind of the mention of colors and and things like that and. Azure's kind of mysterious. We don't fully understand. Um, but Hoyd gives Azure some metal sheets. Um, and th- they are steel. Uh, and... Kaladin thinks they're steel. He doesn't oh, confirm okay, okay. it, but Kaladin's pretty sure okay. at first glance they're steel. 
I, I will take that as enough proof. Okay. <laughs> so in, uh, without spoiling too much, in the the series of Mistborn, basically their magic system revolves around metal and different kinds of metal, and steel and iron are kind of sister metals that push or and pull. Uh, I believe that steel is the push one. Mm-hmm. It's basically you use steel to push yourself from the metal and iron to pull yourself to a metal, I guess. Along those lines. So it's kind of a mobility thing. I don't think the powers matter that much. But in my head, I'm thinking that Azure maybe knows multiple of these magic systems has been kind of around the block, you know. It's all these places. So that's that's just kind of something I'm keeping my eye on now extra closely. Um, it could be nothing, but I don't know what else that would be for. And I'm going to keep my eye out for any kind of power like that. Like if there's any kind of big movement, so we know she may be using steel, burning steel or something. So we will see. Just kind of a side note that in the Mistborn series, if you can steel push is what it's called. They refer to you as a coin shot because they make these little Mm -hmm. steel coins and they can Mm -hmm. basically use them as weapons and you can like shoot them at people or you can like shoot them against the ground and push yourself backwards. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a mobility thing and there's iron too that you can pull with iron. So, yeah, I think for me, this is, a little more of a hint for Hoyd, actually, because Hoyd is the one that supplies these, right? Yep. He's the actual source of these metal plates that somehow are blocking out the magic so that the the fused and the spren don't don't know that they're doing it. I kind of got the impression that Azure has no idea what this metal is and she's just doing what she's told. And so Hoyd is, I think, the one I would look at and think, okay... Hoyd saw the situation was like, I know a world where I can get some metal that will help us out here. Be, be right back. Be right back. Be right back. Yeah. And then shows up with this, you know, cart of whatever this metal is, whether it's just steel or something more mystical. But yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised to see Hoyd show up with a magical metal that blocks magic. Yeah. That is. It's something I never thought about, but Hoyd is in, like, all of our books, right? So maybe he's just, like, a big supplier. He he always knows where he's supposed to be, but not always why, mm-hmm. and so... He's like, oh, we could use some steel right now. I'll, yeah, I'll be right back. That whole notion, like, maybe so. Curious. Once Azure shows him the Soulcaster... Then he kind or she kind of turns to him and says, "Okay, what's your what's your deal? I've just showed you what what I'm doing here at the city. What's your deal?" And Kaladin's like, "Well, there's an oath gate that can transfer a bunch of people at the same time over a long distance, and all the guards are kind of like, what? But Azure is like, ooh." really i totally believe you how do we how do we get it to work and Callan's like eh, well that's so that's a second problem which i'll get to here in a second but <laughs> you know like azure i just wanted to key in on that the azure actually 
like picks up on that pretty quick of like oh really really there's there's some magical device that can transfer people from point a to point b i how do we get it to work like i'm so ready for this which if she's a herald she should have already known about right you think so but yeah she she doesn't she's seem a double agent Ooh. <laughs> your void brain theory maybe she's not oh dear oh no that would be a twist that would be a twist. She, she, you're right though, Trevor. She doesn't seem overly surprised by that. She's like, "Oh, okay, let's go. Where is it?" But you do make bring up a good point of well, if she was a herald, you'd think that she would already know that it's in the city, right? Right. She could be playing dumb, maybe, and still trying to kind of act, you know, undercover. She definitely just seems down for whatever. She's like, oh, okay, we'll go do that one now, yeah. okay? What What do you want to do? So Azure is com a bit confusing. I feel like she's very... I just don't know what her motives are, and that's the hard part. I Like, we can see her motives, but it, I could also see it being a facade... I could see it being legit. I could see her being a herald. I could see her being just some normal general that happens to have an honor blade, I guess. I don't know. There's a lot. We don't know which honor blade, right? You don't even know if it's an honor blade. That's true. Kaladin's we're, we've, we're, we're Kaladin assumes it it's an honor, honor blade, blade but okay. we also made the... the prediction that it could be a spren blade so and we just haven't seen her soul cast yet or sorry search bind in general mm -hmm. all right 82 let's do it yeah i don't have anything for 82 so we'll yeah. just all right call the, we'll, call I'll the see you all next week yeah <laughs> all right so Shalon is completely destroyed at this point. She's hiding in some hole, some room somewhere. And she doesn't even know, like, it opens the chapter of Shalon hid somewhere. She doesn't even know where she is. She just found a dark corner somewhere in some shack and is hiding. A hidey hole. And Hoyt finds her, like, somehow, which isn't super surprising because he needs... He should be wherever he is needed, um, and he's pretty needed here. So, <laughs> I, we talked about it a little bit ago, but I, I want to bring it up again. I think this is the breaking point for Shalon. She's she's used her personas, her different roles, people she's created as as like a defense mechanism. When she when she can't stand being Shalon anymore, she just falls back on Vale. And when she she can't stand being whoever else, she can always she can always just switch. She can kind of run away from the pain. And we've just seen the kind of the one persona she had left, Vale, get hit really hard. So now all of her personas are painful, no matter who she 
puts on, it's it's too much to bear. She can't run anymore. And that's where we find her here in just rock bottom of everything is broken. We'll, we'll get to the quotes here in a second, but there are a plethora of good quotes from Mr. Brandon Sanderson in this chapter. But I do want to talk about the, the actual scene here in, uh, for a little bit. Wit talks to Shalon and Elliot, you brought it up earlier that at first he just walks into the room and just sits with her and doesn't, doesn't really say anything and lets her kind of talk when she's ready. And then they talk about the girl who stood up uh, parable, which we've seen once before, but with, we've been given a couple new details which Shalon thinks to herself, oh, I didn't actually know that part of the story. That makes a lot more sense, um, which we'll talk about here in a second. But what were your guys' uh, takeaways from this this chapter? It was cool to kind of see, I, I feel like this was a full circle moment. of We have seen this story from Shalon, right? It was whenever we kind of discover or see Ray Shapir, one of those fake illusions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a really cool story, or like visually to, to imagine just that scenario. Um, and now I feel like we're seeing the full circle where Hoyt is giving a lot more insight into that, and with Shalon, and honestly just finally someone that can combat Shalon's issues here um, in general. So. I thought this scene was so, so powerful, so moving. We, we've been perhaps ragging on Shalon a little bit for really this whole, bit. yeah, pretty much this whole book and talking about the, the, the negative ways that she's dealing with her struggles and her pain and, and a lot of the maybe questionable choices that she's been making and kind of the, the dark path that she's going down. And this is such a, a cool redeeming chapter. It, at least it, it, it might be. We'll, we'll see where Shalon goes from this, but for her to just hit such a rock bottom and then for, for Wit to step in here and have such an inspirational chat with with Shalon is so cool I I, I want to go back to the the empathy part of it because it's so easy when someone's in a dark place like this to you know throw your arm around their shoulder and say let let's figure this out let let's you know solve this problem that that's that's not what empathy is though empathy is is you know meeting that person where they're at empathy is actually reaching out and feeling the the pain that they're feeling that that's what the definition of empathy is and that's exactly what wit does here he just comes in he sits down and is just he doesn't even say anything he's just i'm with you in this moment what a super cool example of how to reach out to someone who's going through something really painful. Yeah, I completely agree. Do you guys 
remember the specific detail that Shalon doesn't know about the story, but uh, Hoyt adds to the story. Do you guys remember that? That was actually the most confusing part of this for me because the the bit that that Hoyd adds to the story is about light. He says that what you're missing, Shalon, is that these people are living also in complete darkness. And when this girl climbs the wall, realizes that the wall is not to protect them, but to protect the outside world from them, she also discovers light and brings it back to the people in her village. But I couldn't quite grasp the implications of that. Is this supposed to be like an origin story of Stormlight? Is this supposed to be like just a parable and the light is a metaphor for something? I I wasn't quite sure what the light was supposed to, to symbolize here. The... The implication is this is like a old wives tale for the origin of high storms and stormlight of there was no light in this village where the girl lived. She climbs the wall, she finds stormlight and um, brings it back, but then also brings the high storms because um, so like that, that's the retribution for stealing light or whatever. And it, it, plays into a very cool quote from Wit, which I guess this one will be our first one. Wit says, Do you wish that you could go back to not being able to see? No, Shalon whispered. Then live and let your failures be part of you. And that's a really good quote for me um, because Shalon's asking him, how do I move on from this i've messed up so many or so much here and wits just saying well would you go back because the the girl who found the light also brought the high storms but also brought light to her village and he's asking her oh well would you go back if you brought light and she says no and then wits says well then move on and let that be part of your life. And for this episode, that was kind of the pinnacle point for me. Um, or what I imagine for Shalon, right? Of Like, it, there's a lot of, like, difficult things and situations, but the important part, I guess, is to pick up and move on from that. And I know you have a plethora of quotes listed that kind of encapsulate that way better in Brandon Sanderson's words, which are way better than mine. Um, but that that notion was definitely what stuck out to me the most. I love the discussion on failure and, and the way Wit kind of brings that in. The other quote that would go along really well with with what you just read, Trevor, is he he says, you mostly failed. This is life. The longer you live, the more you fail. Failure is the mark of a life well lived. And in one sense, that's maybe a really cynical way to look at things. (laughs) Be like, well, if you keep on living, you're going to keep on failing. But, But he 
in classic wit fashion can kind of say something cynical and, and maybe slightly sarcastic and, and actually spin it in a really positive way to basically show show Shalon here that failing is part of life. We all fail. Everyone fails, and that doesn't make you a failure. And I loved the takeaway. The takeaway for me from this chapter was, yes, Shalon, you might have screwed up. Yes, you might have done terrible things, but you are still worth something you still have worth as a person. And that is huge. And so, like you said, Paul, Brandon Sanderson says it better than, than we could. So, so go read this chapter. Go read it again if you, if you haven't read it recently because it's so good. Wood also sets up another good quote, and he says, it's towards the beginning of the chapter and Shalon's saying how much she's hurting. And Hoyt says, it's terrible to be, to have been hurt. It's unfair and awful and horrid, but Shalon, it's okay to live on where he's just saying that I, I completely understand that you've been hurt, but it's okay to take that with you and not hide it like you've been trying to hide it for for your entire life and shalon's shalon's been saying that i i've been faking it this whole time veils apparently has this background of living on the streets but i didn't actually live on the streets and hoyd says uh no you didn't but you had a worse life didn't you you went living at your estate you had a worse background than veil did Shalon, we've talked about this a lot, even all the way back in, I think, Way of Kings even, how Shalon is not in the best state of mental health. She's she's had struggles, a lot of struggles. And I like that this chapter, I really like that this chapter tackles that, that it really brings a it brings the lens down on that mental health side of things and how the takeaway from this is no matter how dark you think your life is, no matter what you've been through, and you've been through a lot, Shalon, we, we've seen what she's been through, and it was dark, some of the darkest you know scenes in this, this whole story so far, she still can have a positive impact on the world. I think another one of the quotes... I don't have a bookmark on it, is, is basically Wit saying, the world is better for its association with you. You've been through dark things, but yet you've still made the world a better place because you were in it. What a, man, what a powerful look at, you might be broken, but you still matter. So powerful. You are not worse for your association with the world, but the world is better for its association with you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a little bit going off what you were saying as well, Elliot. So Shalon is really broken here. Um, and I think we're seeing a side of Shalon that we haven't seen in a really long time, 
which is her really listening. Um, Shalon is really like she, she knows a lot of times she's been really headstrong and with our characters there were very few that she would really listen to she may like hear what they say and make a snide remark or whatever but it's yeah. not that common that she would really listen to what they say and kind of move from that uh, but here she, it's sad to see her in such a broken place but it's good to see that she is taking to heart what Hoyt is saying um, and just like really listening to, to what is kind of unfolding before her. Um, and I was really glad. This is the moment that I've been wanting for a good while now because I've definitely voiced my frustration with Shalon um, and just the path, the, the mental strain she has put herself into and just a lot of the those difficulties there um so i was very happy to see this chapter happen something that we don't see in this scene though is the full picture of how shalon responds to this i i agree with you she appears to be listening she's let some barriers down for the first time in a long time but is she going to like fully respond to this? Is this going to be that inspirational moment that catapults her to a better place? We don't really leave this chapter knowing whether that's true or not. Is she going to respond to this positively? I really, really hope she does. But I think we need to see where she goes with this before at least I decide how pivotal this chapter is. It's, it's clearly pivotal in Shalon's story. But how important, I think, will depend on what she does next. Yeah, absolutely. Before I wanted to point out... Go ahead. I'll point out one, one small thing, Paul, and then I want to know what, you, what you're thinking, too. There, there's a bit in the middle of this scene that I, I laughed at. They're telling the story, right, of the, the girl... And Shalon's like, yeah, yeah, I've, I, I know this story. Let's just, uh, let's skip to the end. And Wit's like, skip? Skip? <laughs> skip part of the story? You wound me. And I, that, first off, I thought that was just so Shakespearean right there. You, you wound me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the, the indignation there that he shows of like, how dare you even suggest skipping, you know, part of the story, even a story that you already knew. Like, I just thought that was great. Like fits in with the storyteller part of Wit's story or his character that we know. But then also it's, it's very journey before destination as well. It, it's not necessarily about the end of the story. It's also about how the character gets to the end of the story. So I, I, I thought that was a good little tidbit in the middle of all this. That is, and it definitely shows how... So, Hoyd, or Wit, you know, he he's always rolling with the punches, and... Yeah. You know, he's always wanting to make fun of things, and it seems like he doesn't take much seriously. Uh, but this was our, our, like... I feel like we found his Achilles heel, or weakness, where she was like, let's just skip ahead, and he was like actually panicked he was yeah. like skip 
no, 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 no. You cannot <laughs> skip. No, you don't skip in a story and stuff like that. And it was, it was kind of funny to see. I think it's also pretty funny that he's uh, Hoyt is self-aware that that part of the story is boring. He says it himself. He's like, Shalon backtracks and's like, wait a minute. I thought we were talking about a girl climbing a wall. And Hoyt's like, well, she is at the moment, but that takes forever. And I don't, I don't want to just talk about that for a while. And then Shalon says, well, why don't we just, you know, skip it if it's the boring part. Exactly. Um, a big thing I wanted to point out was, honestly, it feels. I think this is the first chapter that we've seen a, like, direct fruitfulness or purpose with Hoyd. Right, like he's been around. We've seen his his talk with like Kaladin, whenever Kaladin was imprisoned and stuff like that, and that was helpful. But I feel like this was the most direct directly positive Hoyt experience we've had. He's always been a more of a neutral figure. Uh but here it was just it just felt positive. It felt really great. Um and he just like was the perfect character to fit into this scenario. And it, it just seemed to work really well and I wanted to point that out and So Hoyt is just our little motivational time world traveler guy with with changing hair. All right, question for you. Elephant in the room. This is Dalinar's book. This is a very Shalon therapy session. Are we getting a Dalinar therapy session or are we just breaking all the rules and getting a double Shalon without having a Dalinar one? We had the Kaladin therapy session in the previous book, and so next book will be Dalinar's therapy session. Did we have a Kaladin one last book? Yeah, we, whenever he was like imprisoned, right? Then oh, Void yeah, showed yeah. up, and he had his little. He played him, sang a little song, and Kaladin was like, "What was the meaning to the story?" And Kaladin and Void was like, "There's a meaning to the story," and then it was just really like. A mind-blowing thing of not knowing what's real, what's fake, and stuff. So, yeah. Okay, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. So that'll uh, on the next book. I, I gotta say, I'll be pretty upset if we don't get a a Dalinar therapy session because I I was promised that this was Dalinar's book. We better get a a what's the moral of the story scene with with wit and and downer i'm i'm fine if shallan it can she can have her moment too she clearly you know needs somebody here in this moment so that that's all fine and good but downer better be getting one too before we get to the end don't we kind of know that part three kind of ends an arc and then parts four and five are kind of different my you, guess would be that you do yes i've i did tell you that Yes. My guess would be that Dalinar kind of gets his at the actual end of the book. Or near, near like, parts four and five in there. So We've got a ways to go still. There, there's still That's plenty of, of opportunities. There is. Oh, it arrives precisely what he means to. Apparently. I wanted to also mention a little bit about 
art, art in yeah. this uh, Let's talk about in this art bit. word. Yeah, because that was one of my words, because that was another fun aspect of this, is they talk briefly about about art, and they they say that the quote I wrote down was Hoyd kind of explaining that art is not art if it has a function. Like that's the that's the definition of art is it's it's beautiful or it evokes something for for no other reason. It, it's not meant to help you accomplish something. It's just meant to be an experience. And Shalon like tries to tries to argue against that a little bit. She's like, well, people learn things through art, or you know, I. I accomplish my purpose through art, which, which is a fair, I think, you know, counter argument to that, but just that whole kind of concept of what is art and what is functional is, is such a, it's an interesting framework to look at Shalon through what, what of her abilities and what of her skills are purely art and what are actual, you know, world changing or game-changing abilities like her her ability to draw people and inspire them to become more is that art or is that an actual like functional skill these are all questions i i kind of pondered over as i was reading this shalon her line is it makes me happy wit that's a purpose yeah like can't it can't it have a purpose of just existing and being pretty like that's a purpose it's true i honestly didn't know how to answer this because i i think i take what wit says too truthfully because he knows a lot he knows way more than i know and so he says things and i'm like oh i need to make sure i note that down that's that's right and then I definitely don't agree with, with his statement there and, like, what Shalon says. Like, it makes me happy, you know, that's a purpose. Like, yeah, she's right. Like, that's, that's like, art has a lot of purpose and stuff. Like, I don't know. So then I'm like, okay, how true is what the rest of Hoyd, what Hoyd says? Like, how true is the rest of that? And it's just this whole spiral, and I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe Wit's just a, an engineer, and he doesn't he doesn't appreciate the the true value of of art. Yeah. Then again, he also is probably just being a little facetious here, or just trying to get Shalon to think and and talk and respond. He who knows if that's what he even thinks, or even if that's what he's trying to say here. It, it's it's Wit. This is kind of a random side note, but Paul, when you said that Wit knows way more than you do. I had a from had a flashback to one of Brandon Sanderson's writing, like what's the word I'm looking for? Writing advice videos, and it, the question is, how do you write a character that's smarter than you are? And he is a he's a bunch of different like topics on that, but uh, it just made me think of that he says in that video that Hoyd knows more about the Cosmere than Brandon Sanderson does at any given time. So how do you, how do you write that character with that, that mystery element without really letting on how much exactly he knows, but you definitely know that he knows more than you do. So 
That is, that's something really interesting. I was also thinking about that with Teravangian on his, like, super smart days. Like, like he's just the wisest man in, on the earth, and, like, Brandon Sanderson has never been the wisest man on the earth, probably, so, like, how do you right. how do you swing that one, <laughs> you know? And, and some of the most the most brilliant parts of, of this, I think is, is not actually what's on the page. It's what's not on the page. It's the, the ways that his, that Sanderson's writing leads you to make assumptions and conclusions. Like we've conjectured all kinds of stuff about Hoyd. That's not even in the pages, but just to, to write a character that comes across as he's connected. He's from another place. He, he knows things. It has never told us that, but we know that somehow. Brilliant. Yeah. Anything else from the scene between uh, Shalon and, and Hoyt? N- nothing other than to say this, this might have just entered into like my top three favorite scenes of Stormlight so far. That's a good one. It's not there for me, but it was really good. It's not there for me either, but that's just because I've read more Stormlight than you have. So Okay. I figured this was going to be Trevor's, like, this is the greatest chapter ever, and moving on, and stuff. So, honestly, that makes me a bit more excited, knowing that this isn't one of your favorites, because I know Oathbringer is your favorite book. It and is. I was like, honestly, if this is supposed to be the big a big like humongous chapter I, I, I'm a little disappointed but it was still great it was a good chapter alright and this chapter concludes with Shalon finally controlling her emotions enough to go back to the hideout she sees Adolin, Adolin gives her a big hug and says I'm glad you're safe after going to the revel and and fighting the robbers off of Grund and stuff like that and Kaladin walks up with a huge army down the street behind him so uh, that's what we've got set up for for next week and closing thoughts on this episode I think we're headed for something big now we've got the army assembled we know who the enemy is we know where to find them it's uh, it might just be showtime I certainly hope so. I'm ready. Next week, we will be finishing part three. Yes. And then the week after, we've got a 100% interlude uh, episode. We have have five, five, maybe six interludes before part four. Yep. And this is this is gonna be my favorite of the whole, <laughs> pro- pro- possibly ever. This could be this could be my favorite like two weeks of my life. <laughs> so yeah, we'll be we'll be finishing part three I'm next so week sorry. and then doing tackling a bunch of interludes the week after that. So thanks for joining me, Paul and Elliot, and we will be reconvening next week. Let's go, let's go indeed.